everyone and welcome to another episode of Roots, the Jazz Impressions podcast. Uh, my name's Ollie. My name's Dan. And together we run jazzimpressions.co.uk, a music blog designed as a game of musical ping pong where we explore musical connections one track at a time. In this podcast, we both choose a track and then map a path of musical stepping stones between those two tracks uh, via some of the music that we enjoy and want to talk about and share with you all. Today, two more tracks, episode seven. Dan, what have you chosen? I've gone with Dig This Vibe by DJ Crush. Interesting. What about you, Ollie? I have chosen uh, Past Plus Present Equals Future by Benny Maupin. So two very different tracks here. It'll be interesting to see what we uh, what routes we take to connect these two. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. I started off uh, with Benny Maupin, Past Plus Present Equals Future. It's from his first album, The Jewel in the Lotus, and it was released in 1974 on ECM Records. album this this track itself is only just under two minutes long it's not really a, a, a track in itself it's just part of a greater whole i mean it's avant-garde but also almost it listens like an ambient record mm. in a way um and the, the the focus of the music throughout the whole record is on the atmosphere and the the overall kind of texture um as opposed to specific solos or performances from the artists which feature on it so it's a very interesting record i mean obviously a perfect home on ecm records which was known for putting out you know this kind of having this chamber jazz aesthetic very well recorded um almost like ambient jazz and you know for example like um uh, john abercrombie's timeless which uh, we featured uh, on the blog a while back yeah you know, records like that these fusion records that were being released in the kind of mid 70s early 70s and a roster of musicians that comes out of the Bitches Brew band as well as Herbie Hancock's Mwandishi group. Yeah, so you've got Buster Williams on bass, you've got Billy Hart on drums, Frederick Waits, who we mentioned in the previous episode, yeah. Stanley Cow on drums and marimba. So that's interesting. So you've got kind of two drummers, um, one of them featuring a marimba. You've got Bill Summers on percussion, uh, you've got Herbie Hancock on piano and electric piano, uh, Benny Maupin on reeds, voice and glockenspiel. And interestingly as well, Charles Sullivan of Strata East fame features on two tracks on the trumpet. Um, for those people who aren't familiar, Charles Sullivan uh, was a trumpeter who, uh, yeah, put out, I think he just put out one, one record on Strata East called Genesis, which is very, very good, highly recommended. So yeah, a really interesting lineup of musicians. And again, you've got the uh, drummer in the right channel, Billy Hart, with Freddie Waits, who's in the left channel which is quite cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there's a kind of symmetry to it. And I mean, even the album artwork, you look at it, it's, it's got Benny Maupin's head inside this Lotus. And obviously Lotus has that kind of symmetrical quality to it. 
Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting album and the whole thing just kind of flows from beginning to end and it's, you can't really pinpoint any particular moment necessarily. I mean, this is one of them, this closes the second side of the record. So it's a really nice kind of end to the first part. Um, but otherwise the whole thing just moves through this kind of meditative, spiritual mm. state. And the title, The Jordan of Lotus, is based on a Buddhist mantra. Right, okay, I was wondering what the connection was there. So do you know if Benny Maupin was Buddhist? I assume so. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Herbie, because I think it was Buster Williams who originally got Herbie Hancock into mm. Buddhism. And I wouldn't be surprised because all these guys were playing together at the time and they were all in Wandishi together. Which leads me on to my next pick, which is Herbie Hancock's Rain Dance. Um, this is a track that I've already written on for the blog, but I thought I had to revisit it for this because it seemed fitting. And um, yeah, Rain Dance, it's the opening track from his album Sextant, which is the third and final album um, in his Mwandishi series, released in 1973 on Columbia Records. I mean, if there was ever a soundtrack to getting probed by aliens, yeah. that, that would definitely be it. <laughs> yeah, that is some robot jazz sci-fi. It's alien music. It is. I mean, you look at the album cover for this for this album, and it's this crazy kind of moonscape with uh, these two African tribesmen kind of dancing. That's a great cover on the moon, and then in the back you've got this kind of Aztec-looking temple. I mean, it's really it's full-on seventies psychedelia. It completely was, out there, reminiscent of the Bitches Brew artwork. Very early use of electronics in jazz. I mean, it predates Headhunters slightly. And revolutionary at the time as well. You know, even when Headhunters came out, you know, people, critics were up in arms. So yeah. what, what is this? This isn't jazz kind of thing. Yeah. But in a way, it's, it, the stuff on Headhunters is even safer than this. This is really yeah. as, I would say, it's probably as out, uh, the most out there music that Herbie Hancock ever recorded. Yeah, I'd say I think. so. Yeah. The, the, basically, the stuff he did with Mwandishi was arguably the most experimental he ever got. And I think this record to close the trio of albums is just the most kind of brazenly yeah. experimental and strange. Yeah, and wasn't a commercial hit by any stretch. In a way that Headhunters would go on to be. It had the funk appeal, it yeah. had, you know, it had the dance appeal, it had all of that stuff. Whereas, I mean, this is this really is just alien music. It's music for nerds and music for you know, odd people, but it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a, it's a fantastic album. And you can um, hear the kind of Miles inflected trumpet by uh, Eddie Henderson, yeah. kind of echoey distant. Where is that even a trumpet sound? Yeah. And the, uh, I think it's like an arp, the arp line, yeah. this kind of arpeggiated arp line, this loop that just keeps rolling through it. And yeah, it's still, even today, it sounds otherworldly and futuristic. Mm. Not that we were there back in the day when it came out, but some of this 70s stuff can sound a bit, 
um, dated now, especially some of the Moog stuff and stuff mm. like that. But there's something about this record that still sounds bizarre. You still listen to it and you go, hell is this? Even though you know it synthesizes, it still sounds futuristic and odd in a non-cliched way. Yeah, um, a bit like Vicious Brew. Yeah, definitely. Other I mean, it's testament to just quite how ahead of their time these records were. And um, the last track is, of course, mm-hmm. Hornets, which you can hear on our uh, Music for Beekeepers release. Oh, yeah, part two. Uh, <laughs> coming, yeah, coming out soon. 20-minute um, wasp invasion. Yeah. <laughs> Sting collaborated with Herbie Hancock. Did he? Yeah, Herbie Hancock did like an album where he had like Joni Mitchell, Sting, uh, yeah. stuff like that. But anyway, I digress. There's this quote that resonates from Herbie Hancock. Don't be afraid to expand yourself, to step out of your comfort zone. That's where the joy and the adventure lie. And that's really a principle that his whole career has been founded on, this idea of pushing the limits of what's you know possible, experimenting with new things mm-hmm. and fusing different things together in order yeah. to create new things. And I, I really kind of like that idea, and I feel that this, this record embodies that idea yeah. perfectly. It's showing you know what a pioneer and what a, a kind of fearless kind of sonic adventurer yeah. Herbie Hancock has been and continues to be, but definitely was in his in his real glory years in the seventies. Yeah, you I know, mean, making just completely new music, and he did it again and again, yeah. like starting with the acoustic, Miles Davis, uh, second great quintet, and then the electric period, then this, and he wrote about hang up your hang ups in the blog as well. Yeah, so yeah, being instrumental to the development of hip-hop in the first place by creating this electric funk sound. And then even yeah, Rocket, Rocket, which went on to be a kind of a hip-hop hit and went on to inspire a new generation with which he he continues to collaborate. You know, you look at his recent collaborations with people like Flying Lotus yeah. and Thundercat and stuff. So it's super cool, you know, and that's why he's such an inspiring musician. You never see Herbie Hancock coming out and being like, Oh, this new music. Yeah, why terrible. Do I, why do I have to wear a mask? Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't like this back in my day. I'm going to collab with Van Morrison. <laughs> Herbie Hancock is coming to the UK um, for a rare appearance later this year in, when is it, June? June, the Barbican. At the Barbican. We'll I, see you there. We'll see you there. We've got our tickets, so you should too. So any uh, UK-based listeners, get on that before the tickets go. We should get paid to like, promote Herbie should, Hancock. Yeah. Which leads me on to my next track, I'm going by a hip-hop route here, because um, obviously we're trying to get to DJ Crush. Conveniently, DJ Crush sampled Rain Dance for one of his very early tracks on his first album called Roll and Tumble, which was released in 1994 on Triad and Chance Records. seven different samples on that wow. from the beginning I don't know whether it's seven different records necessarily but you've got you know that weird noise at the beginning you've then got the rain dance sample which comes in that weird blue blue 
You've got the drums, which anyone who's into their hip hop will recognize immediately as the um, the skull snaps break. It's a new day, mm. which has been sampled over 500 times wow. uh, throughout the history of hip hop and probably way more as well. This is just what's logged on who sampled. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's interestingly that the sound of the record, I mean, it was released in 94 and it's very it definitely sounds dated now. A lot of the beats on this record um, compared to his second and third albums. I prefer his later stuff because I think that's when he started getting more in touch with the the Japanese yeah. side of his kind of heritage and bringing that into the music. This is much more of a straight, just like sample beats kind of album. But it's still an enjoyable listen, and it's still it's still cool just listening to you know him do his thing with yeah. which what are very kind of well known sampled records a lot of them. But it's interesting to hear his take on it and what he manages to do. For those who don't know, Crush is a Japanese producer DJ. He was in the Yakuza yes. uh, until he found a severed finger on his desk wrapped in paper, at which point he was like, yeah, I'm going to go and become a DJ now. I'm out, yeah. It was interesting. I was reading an interview with him and he was talking about how, yeah, basically discovering hip-hop, I think it was after he saw the film Wildstar, that you know was a way out for him and kind of saved him from a life of being a delinquent, basically, yeah. and, and rolling with the Yakuza. It's interesting as well. I think it's in the same interview. He, he mentions being attracted to making things out of rubbish. You know, initially not having any money mm-hmm. to, to to like buy like uh, necessarily like fancy equipment or you know like particular kind of records or whatever. It was very much this ethos of making stuff out of the scraps of things people don't want or people have left by the wayside, and that feeds into the kind of his his music. Yeah, he creates a musical world. A bit like DJ Shadow, with whom he has collaborated. Yeah. A very uh, dreamy, slightly scuzzy atmosphere. Definitely. It's got, his music has this kind of dark and dreary kind of quality to it, but that's no, that's no bad thing. You know, it's just very, you know, it feels like dark streets kind of thing. It's got a psychedelic quality to yeah. it as well. And again, in his later work, when he starts bringing in, you know, like Japanese jazz samples and things like that, and like traditional instrumentation from things like Shakuhachi, you get these this amazing kind of style that is, you know, very well known for being that crush style. Yeah, very distinct. You know, almost taking like the Western hip hop model and infusing it with Japanese traditional culture. And that's why I think Crush is such a great, you know, great producer. Personally, on a production level, he's one of my inspirations, being able to try and make music that has that same atmosphere that takes you into that sonic world. Mm. Which brings me on to my next connection. Another DJ Crush track, which samples another artist by the name of Herbie. This time though, it's Herbie Mann and the track is Love is Stronger Far Than We. (laughs) Bit of a tongue twister. And it's from his album Glory of Love released in 1967 on A&M Records.
It was actually knighted by the president of Liberia oh, right. after Hannah played some concerts there to raise money for the country's education. Oh. Yeah, him and Gavin Williamson. <laughs> but yeah, um, Herbie, Herbie Mann released many records throughout his career. Fairly prolific, actually. Um, many of which were a little bit middle of the road, kind of easy listening, flute jazz kind of vibes. Maybe not your yeah, bit kind of elevator musicy in a way. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are some real gems um, hidden away in his catalogue. Two personal favourites. Um, he did a collaboration with Bill Evans, the Bill Evans Trio, uh, called Nirvana. And that's a very good album. Very serene, almost kind of Eastern-tinged, meditative very laid back flute jazz, which I highly recommend. So yeah, the album Nirvana. And his collaboration with Japanese shakuhachi legend, uh, Minoru Muraoka, for an album called Gagaku and Beyond, which saw him basically fusing jazz with uh, Japanese traditional court music, Gagaku. Yeah. Um, and it's probably the the deepest, I think, Herbie Man ever got yeah. you know, music. It was quite an obscure record. I think it was released in the late 70s on Atlantic, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, a really interesting record. And again, showed kind of Herbie Mann as someone who was looking, uh, you know, definitely like a lot of jazz musicians to the East for inspiration mm. with stuff like Nirvana and, you know, Gagaku and beyond. You know, he was definitely exploring sonically. So for all the kind of schmaltzy, yeah. middle of the road stuff he did, he also did some great stuff. And he made almost 100 albums. Yeah, I mean, that's no mean feat. Oh, crossing a, a wide variety of musical styles. You know, he did everything. He did, you know, jazz, disco, funk, you name it. Yeah. Herbie Mann tried his hand at it. And I mean, for the for the, for any other kind of the, the record collecting crowd out there as well, these records really are the definitions of cheap heat. You know, you can find them. They're not super expensive, but they're fantastic jazz records. Um, interestingly as well, he produced both Roy Ayers' Virgo Vibes and uh, Chikoria's Tones for Jones Bones. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a bit of cross-episode linkage going <laughs> on there. So, yeah, Herbie Mann, Love is Stronger Far Than We, was sampled by DJ Crush for... Dig This Fight. There we go. Which is from Crush's Strictly Turntablized um, album, released in 1994 on uh, the UK label Mo Wax. I didn't know that until recently, but now I know you kind of have to go back and watch Blade again, yeah. just so you can see that, <laughs> just yeah. so you can see that moment. Because it does have that cyber noir. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's funny, like, like I was saying about the other Crush joint, they are, the sound in a way is quite dated, especially Strictly Turntabilized under the first album, uh, Crush, but I feel that Strictly Turntabilized, even though you can date the sound to the early 90s, it's also very good at what it does and it's it's that perfect kind of dusty yeah that's exactly sample based hip hop and that's that's what it is i mean i i don't like to use the term trip hop i find it corny 
Um, but obviously it came to define many releases at that time. Uh, uh, yeah. Artists like Porter's Head, Massive Attack. And so you could definitely lump in Crush uh, with that type of music. But again, the genre labels decided it's quintessential 90s instrumental hip hop. I and feel I, I, the way. name reflects how much turntablism there is, which is also quite a 90s aesthetic for sure and i mean i I love it i love all the scratches yeah and i mean it's again you know the the only other i think dj shadow obviously was like his kind of american foil if you will and the fact that both of them are super accomplished djs like now you get producers making beats but they're not djs turntablists and i love that some of these artists you know especially in the early 90s like crush and shadow they were also very accomplished djs and being able to scratch and yeah. you know do all of that gives the music an extra element yeah and i think uh yeah that's what makes these things still you know really enjoyable to listen to personally my favorite crush album is probably the one that came after this on my wax miso mm. i really like that album because you've got you've got the instrumental side you've got crush starting to explore the more and fuse in the japanese uh, folk and traditional sounds into the record through his samples and also collaborating with some heavyweight um, MCs as well. Yeah. CL Smooth, Black Thought from The Roots features on there. I mean, yeah, it's a really good album. So yeah, Mizo is my pick for one of my favourite Crush albums. And from there, like, you got to credit Crush as well. Like, even from his like early sound, he's he's been one of these artists that has kept pushing yeah, and I, I won't say reinventing himself. Mm-hmm. He stayed true to that kind of crush sound, but he's continued to kind of update it and experiment, yeah, um, and and push into new musical territory. And I mean, artists like DJ Shadow have done the same. Arguably, not quite to the same success. I would say Crush is still kind of in his lane, doing what he's always done, but updating the sound, yeah. with new textures and new new stuff. And I think he does it really well. I mean, his most recent album that came out, what was it, last year, called Trickster. Again, it's like a uh, the only way to describe it is abstract hip hop, but it's got a it's got a kind of bassy edge to it as well. Um, you know, textures that wouldn't be out of place with I want to say dubstep, but it's not really dubstep. It's an off-putting tag in a way because people think oh dubstep, but it's got kind of bass-driven yeah. qualities to the music as well. Definitely a dub. Sound. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, all his music's always had that dub influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, his previous album as well, Cosmic Yard. Again, it's very cinematic. Definitely, yeah. Explosions. Of it's got that feel. Noise. It's definitely if you like Flying Lotus and uh, artists like that. Yeah. I think you'll definitely, especially early Flying Lotus stuff, like his albums Los Angeles and Cosmogram. You'll definitely, you'll definitely enjoy the new Crush stuff. And I mean, we, you know, we met the guy. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for his taxi outside. Because uh, he's quite anonymous. Very anonymous. We went to we went to see him at a gig um, in London, and it was about three or four in the morning or whatever. And we came out the club, and you know he'd been behind a lot of smoke, and everyone was kind of no one probably could see him in the thing. And then everyone spilling out onto the club. Nobody knows otherwise. And we just saw Crush just standing waiting for his taxi with his bags, and he was a super, super humble, and yeah. super you know just a really genuine guy. Again, he's a a bit like all these great producers like Madlib and people like that. They're they're low key background figures. Mm. You know, they're not they're not in the limelight, they're not interested, it's about the music. Well if from strictly turntablized, my first step is actually to a DJ Crush mixtape. Oh, okay. Code 4109. Oh yeah. Released on SAR mm-hmm. in 2000. And the track is by a French producer called DJ Cam. Oh DJ Cam. Called No Competition.
this record, but I have to go listen to this. <laughs> Code 4109 is a great mixtape. It also has some John Clemmer on it. Yes. But yeah, that's a brilliant track and it fits really well with Crush's musical world that we were talking about. Do you recognise that break? Those are the, the Power of Zeus, Sorcerer of Isis drums, which is a classic drum break. Right. Um, like one of the, the quintessential 90s hip-hop breaks. I mean, I sampled it. I'm snitching on myself, but <laughs> I sampled it from one of my tracks on the album I made. Um, and they, I mean, they're just great drums. Yeah. Um, and they give that that quintessential like 90s mm. head-nodding feel. The jazz awesome link, track. again, similar to what Crush was doing with the Herbie Hancock sample. Definitely. Here you've got Cam taking this beautiful piano lick from Duke Ellington and a drum called Train, the album from 1963, mm. released on Impulse, and the track is called My Little Brown Book. session but McCoy Tyner wasn't invited Tyner was like why who's on piano and he was like do you it fair enough no. <laughs> I can't argue with that <laughs> yeah and it's a wonderful record they should have called the album Elling Train Take the Coal Train is one of the oh I like that that's cool it's got a real sense of two old friends I'm not sure they were old friends they didn't play together that, that much. Nice. But it just sounds like that. It's got a really lovely... Intimate quality to yeah. it. Yeah. And obviously the famous track from the album is that version of In a Sentimental Mood, which yeah. is a fantastic recording. Yeah, much sampled as well. Crops up all over the place and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a lovely album, isn't it? And two... Giants. I mean, two giants. And we don't use that term lightly. I yeah. mean, it's these are two of arguably the most inspirational figures in jazz of all time you know duke ellington inspiring a whole generation of players pre-coltrane and then yeah. coltrane and the influence that he had on the whole generation following yeah. that you know real and yeah, ellington real giant had that amazing ability to slot into these more progressive environments look at money jungle exactly for anyone that doesn't it's not familiar money jungle brought together basically three of the biggest minds in jazz you got charles mingus max roach and duke ellington in a trio format and we talked about it on the blog. And that was recorded a week earlier, which is quite funny. It was not the most harmonious recording session. So compared to this, where obviously it sounds like it all went swimmingly. Money Jungle sounds fraught, partly because Mingus was angry, as he tended to be, yeah. um, by the fact that they weren't using any of his compositions. They were only playing Ellington stuff. So what a difference yeah. temperament can make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which brings me on to my next selection, Sound of Love by Johnny Coles on the album New Morning, released in 1982 on Criss Cross Jazz. 
did you pick that track? Good question. The full title of that song is Duke Ellington's Sound of Love. Oh, okay. It's a Charles Mingus composition that you might recognise from his album Changes One. Right, yeah, which you got me. Yeah. Changes One and Changes Two. Great albums, both. Mingus loved Ellington and so composed this song in tribute to him in 1975 it's good they didn't hold a grudge I suppose after yeah I was going to say he loved him it obviously it was just you know heat of the moment kind of yeah. thing probably afterwards well, apparently there was supposed to be a Money Jungle 2 but it never happened because of that falling out oh there we go but yeah so this is Johnny Cole's trumpeter covering that song for Duke Ellington I don't I've never I don't think I've ever listened to Johnny Cole's or nothing solo yeah he's, he's not I don't know someone who crops up a lot he's on a Happy Frame of Mind by Horace Parlin Oh, okay. Which is a really good record and Blue Note. And he was in Minx's band. He played right. on Fat Albert Rotunda. Oh, did he? Okay. He was with Gil Evans. And so obviously, Horace Parlin, who is also with Mingus, yeah. was up on this record on New Morning. Right. With Reggie Johnson on bass, Billy Hart on drums. The one and only. And he's my link with Benny Morpin's past plus present equals future. Oh, okay. Billy Hart in the right channel. Nice. A bit of um, a bit of Crosby, Stills and Nash action with that. The whole kind of panning. You're pretty weights. I'm up and eating purple berries. Probably give us both alive. <laughs> if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, listen to our previous episode. Oh no, episode four, episode five. So that's another uh, another session. Yeah, another session done. Cool route, man. Again. As usual, a lot of those things I was not really that familiar with. I mean, I knew the Coltrane, Duke Ellington record. Um, didn't know this Johnny Coles. And I, again, I'm familiar with the the Crush, the Crush mixtape. But um, I didn't know specifically that that was a DJ Cam joint. And that was really good. Yeah, I mean, DJ Cam's been one of those artists that I've been meaning to kind of dive into more. Um, I had a couple of tracks with him ages ago. But again, I, I think DJ Cam's kind of like, if the US has Shadow, if Japan has Crush, France has Cam. Yeah. I feel like all that era, they all defined, they were their own kind of kings yeah. of their respective kingdoms, you know. All in um, their respective mafia. Definitely. You know, Yakuza, yeah. the mafia, and whatever the French. Surrender were. squad. <laughs> no. <laughs> Another episode done and dusted. Um, we hope you enjoyed those musical selections. Again, as always, a lot of uh, interesting bits and bobs to, uh, to check out if you're not familiar. Um, as always, follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, you can also listen on the website, jazzimpressions.co.uk. Uh, make sure to follow us as well on Instagram and Twitter to stay in the loop with future episodes and general jazz shenanigans. And finally, if you find a severed finger on your desk, how do you tell the age of the person it belongs to? I don't know. How do you tell the age of the person it belongs to? You count the rings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a soundtrack to getting anally pro, I can't say that. No, I was going to say alienly pro. Uh.